You're listening to Rethinking Sustainability. Thoughts, ideas, inspirations for a livable future. Here's a question for you. What do you think of the following statement? A responsible government will balance its budgets, which unfortunately means they can't always afford health, education and environment programs because they might hurt the budget bottom line. But what if the limits to federal government money are not what we've been told it is? Think of what becomes possible if those claims are false. This has huge implications. Here Stephen Williams unravels some of the nonsense that hangs like a cloud over this topic. I'm going to provide a brief outline of why a fairly new version of macroeconomics, which is one of the main subjects in economics, is necessary if not sufficient if we want to create a sustainable society. A fuller outline is provided in the book I co-edited with Rod Taylor titled Sustainability and the New Economics, published by Springer in 2022. I will define what I mean by sustainability and argue that we need a far more realistic economic paradigm than the dominant one if we are to achieve a stable, fair and just system. Ecological economics already provides a good foundation for a sustainable society, but its weakness, like most alternative economic theories, is its misunderstanding of how the money system and therefore macroeconomics works. Modern monetary theory, MMT, provides the most accurate explanation of money creation and the spending and taxing power of government, and this needs to be incorporated into all broader economic theories like ecological economics. So, what is sustainability? Well, a sustainable society is one that can continue on as it is, more or less indefinitely. It won't collapse due to its own folly, such as wrong-headed economics, although it could still collapse due to something external, such as military invasion, asteroid impact, or death of the sun. It can be sustainable because it operates within the physical constraints imposed by biophysical reality, and it is fair and equitable enough to limit internal dissent and revolution. So there is an environmental aspect, we call that biocapacity, and there's the social aspect, justice and fairness. If a society grows beyond its sustainable scale, it will start destroying its natural capital, which is its soils, forests, fisheries, etc., and ultimately collapse, especially if it grows exponentially. That is obviously the situation in most countries today, as famously predicted by the 1972 book, the limits to growth. Nations should measure their biocapacity and, if necessary, by which I mean almost certainly, reduce their economies until they once again fit into physical limits. Shrinking economies means reducing production, consumption and typically the human population. The pain of degrowth, if there is any pain, would, by a large margin, be less than the pain of collapse. Precise control of your economy via MMT can reduce the pain of degrowth. That's because MMT can be likened to a good user's manual for a complicated and dangerous machine. It should be remembered that collapse is the normal outcome for civilizations, meaning it is the rule rather than the exception. 
civilizations emerge and grow in complexity until the system can no longer be supported by available energy and materials and it then collapses to a much more simple state. Australian Indigenous communities were one exception and we could all learn from their example. Now, a brief word about ecological economics. It is a much better alternative to the mainstream system as it begins with a foundation based on the real world of biology and physics, especially the laws of thermodynamics that describe the transformation of matter and energy, which is what economics is all about. The mainstream ignores such things as if they are irrelevant to what they think really matters, which is transactions between household and firms where resources and energy are more or less unlimited. The late US economist Herman Daly popularised ecological economics more than anyone from about 1970 onwards, culminating in his theory of the dynamic steady-state economy that operates around its optimal size, but then does not grow in physical size, as that would be destructive, although it can always grow qualitatively. To grow an economy beyond its optimal size means destroying your natural capital faster than it can be replaced. That's the extremely dangerous situation the world has been in since about 1970. But even ecological economics requires an accurate macroeconomics textbook that describes the operation of human-made institutions such as treasury departments, banks, bond markets and so on. That's where MMT comes in. MMT is the description of how the money system actually works today. It is not a new system that you can adopt, although its insights can affect policy choices. MMT was developed by a handful of non-mainstream economists from the middle to late 1990s who knew the dominant system was wrong. MMT begins by analysing the history and nature of money, which was a creation of the state so it could provision itself from the non-government sector. States create money from nothing and tax it away to destroy it. Taxation forces a population to desire the state's money, which is otherwise worthless. It is understanding the history of money that allows us to accept this somewhat counterintuitive approach where money is only virtual wealth that we can exchange for true wealth, which is the goods and services we actually want. Money is a kind of scoring system that keeps track of who has a legal claim on what amount of real resources. Hence, a currency issuing government is nothing like a state government, corporation or household who all have budget constraints. The Australian government does not have a strict budget constraint other than the limited available resources for sale in Australian dollars. And, of course, these limited resources need to be sustainably managed. So, MMT, together with ecological economics, helps us understand the prudent level of government spending, which has little to do with matching said spending to taxation. Now, there's much more to MMT than I can mention here, including its description of how commercial banks create a form of money when they write loans, how a nation's central bank is part of the government despite claims of independence, how bond sales are unnecessary and are mostly corporate welfare, how national government debt is therefore a misnomer for countries like Australia, and why the central bank's cash rate target should be kept around zero 
how the government has the power to eliminate involuntary unemployment if it wanted to, and how even big corporations are supplicants rather than masters of government. Most importantly, the government doesn't need to continually increase GDP to keep its so-called debt at a manageable ratio, and it similarly doesn't need to increase GDP to stop unemployment from rising. In other words, we don't need to run a Ponzi scheme like we do now. In summary, while ecological economics shows the mainstream doesn't understand the physical world we live in, MMT shows the mainstream doesn't understand human-made institutions either, especially money. Real wealth resides in a nation's physical resources, especially its renewable resources, as well as the health and education of its people, its technology, and the health and robustness of its governing institutions, including the parliament, legal system, and so on. MMT's potential contribution to sustainability is its focus on real resources as real wealth with money as human-made virtual wealth and its understanding of state power if the state is a currency issuer. MMT and ecological economics together gives us a description of the real world which we desperately need if we are interested in sustainability. Stephen Williams so, in other words, a federal government cannot run out of the money that they themselves create. Think of how liberating it is to invert the conventional narrative that governments are always short of money. Stephen Williams and I are co-editors of the book Sustainability and the New Economics, published by Springer in 2022. Next week on Rethinking Sustainability, we look at the vast multiple crises facing humanity and how do you cope with what seems like endless bad news. You've been listening to Rethinking Sustainability and if you'd like to contribute to this series, get in touch with me, Rod, at tayloram2000 at zoho.com.